0: What a beautiful time of worship, right? Yes. What's a be- what a beautiful time. And I was just thinking, what, what made that worship so beautiful? Um, and it, it's not because we're worshiping and we're people worshiping God um, who have everything in order. Um, it's not because our worship is beautiful because we're a bunch of people here who are beautiful in that, you know, we are living painless lives, struggle-free lives. Um, that's not what makes the worship beautiful. In fact, I was thinking that it's really the opposite of that. That in this room here today, I know, because um, you guys have been able to share with me and we share with each other, I know that in this room, there are people who are going through some deep, deep financial struggles. In this room, there are people who are going through some very painful family issues at home and in their, around their home. There are some people in this room who are going through some physical illnesses, uh, deep physical pain, emotional pain. There's some people in this room worshiping our King Jesus who are going through depression and anxiety and separation. I mean, I was thinking of that as we worship God. That is what makes it beautiful. It's that despite the beautiful, the mess here, God makes it a masterpiece. When we gather together despite the pain and we worship God. Because our God is good despite any circumstance that we're going through. Amen. And so that that is what makes it so beautiful, so glorious, so awesome and so wonderful as we worship our King Jesus, because he is greater than all that stuff that we just, you know, that we're going through. Amen. He is greater. So that's what makes it so beautiful. And I was just thinking of that. And that's that's our stories in this room. These stories are very real. And I was thinking that's probably why Jonah connects with us so well. Right. We've been saying it kind of throughout the entire series. This is our final week, as you heard Tiffany mention. um, as we're going through the book of Jonah. It's our final week. Um, But as we we've been discussing man, the book of Jonah is not just a story of Jonah. We've been saying it, but it's my story and it is your story as well. I mean, it's a story that is written by God. See, Jonah's story is only Jonah's story because it is first God's story. And because this is true, Jonah's life. In our lives do not exist without the story of God first. And that's why we, we constantly need to ask this question. We've been asking this question as we go through the book of Jonah. And I would I would tell you, as you studied God's word, wherever you're at in the book, that you ask this question. God, where are you in the story? Where are you in the story? God, where are you in my story? What are you showing me about yourself and then about me? through this season that I'm in, this struggle that I'm in, this walk in the season that I'm in right now. God, where are you? What is your story here? And so we're going to continue to look into the story of Jonah with two goals. God, what are you revealing about yourself? And then what are you revealing about us apart from you, apart from Christ and with Christ? Is that good? All right. So those are our two goals today. And so I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will lead our time together today. So I'm going to ask that you bow your heads where you're at and join me in prayer as we go into today's word. God, it is amazing to gather here, Lord, in your presence with family, Lord. God, thank you, Father, that we get to open up your word, Lord. That we get to read the pages, the words on the, on the pages, God, and we get to learn and know more about who you are. God, thank you that you're that God who decides, who wishes, who desires to reveal himself to us. You're not a God that has hidden away, that has somehow created and walked away or turned their back, God. You are a God who reveals yourself to your children. And so, God, we come with the expecting hearts that you would continue to reveal who you are, Lord, so that, God, we can look at you, we can look at our lives, and our lives can bow down to you and say, Father, help us. Father, help us to be more like you. Help us to, in the struggle of life, God, as we walk through our seasons, Lord, the highs and the lows, the deep, dark valleys and the mountaintops, God, that we would cry out, Father, where are you? Show us more about you, God. Let us learn from you. And let us enjoy that. And in turn, glorify you with our lives. And that's our prayer today, Father, as we go into this word today, Lord. May you be glorified, God. May we learn to enjoy you all the more. And the beauty of our God, and we glorify your name with it. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 All right, so um, Tiffany mentioned in your bulletins you find you will find today's uh, notes. If you're a note taker here at Swear Church, we love to make things a little bit simple um, as best as we can. So we provide that for you. You can follow along with the notes. You can take the fill in the blanks with me if you wish. We're in chapter 4 of Jonah. We're going to go through, as you saw, the front page is 11 verses. So we're going through a lot. Um, And we've been trying to do it verse by verse. Today, we might kind of go two verses at a time. You guys are cool with that. All right. If you want me to go verse by verse, we'll do it. But anyway, today's message is titled this. I titled today's message, Grace Beyond Our Reach. When God's grace extends beyond me. When God's grace extends beyond me. That's the title of today's uh, message and it's been said every week, and I said it early again. Jonah's story is far more than a fish story, right? It's the story of God's extravagant, persevering grace. It's the story of us running and God pursuing. That is the story of the entire Bible, right? That's our story: is we run and God pursues. It's Jonah's story. It's my story. It's your story, and we're gonna see this today. We're going to see that there is no person. There is no circumstance in your life. There's no event that can take place that can ever stop the love of God. Let me say that again. There is no person, no event in your life, no struggle, no circumstance that can ever stop the love of God, because nothing can change who God is. And God is love. And so God is going to continue to love despite our mess. And I can probably stop and we can spend the next half hour in prayer and thanking God for that fact alone. Because some of us need to hear that today. This is wonderful news for all of us. But maybe that one person here today, you're sitting here and you're saying, man, there is no way that God can love me. I am so unlovable to a good God. You don't know the mess in my life. I've messed up things way too bad for God to ever clean it up. Mm. Here's news. There is no mess that you've created in your life that God is not capable of cleaning up. There is no mess that God is not capable of making a masterpiece of. Why? Because God is far greater than our mess. You can't mess anything up where God's grace does not reach even further. He has a greater capacity to clean things up than we have the capacity to make mess. Amen. And so we are thankful for that. And we see that in the conclusion of Jonah's story. We see God fulfilling his purpose for Jonah and for an entire city in Nineveh, despite all the efforts that Jonah puts in front to stop it, right? Despite all the efforts, we see that God fulfills his purpose. And we're going to look at it in two main categories. You'll see it if you flip your notes on the other side. You'll see our bullet points. The first main category we're looking at is a self-centered heart. And then we're going to look at in our second half together today at God's sacrificial love. All right. So the first thing I want us to take a look at in our text is this. A self-centered heart is blinded to what pleases God. Let me say that again. A self-centered heart is blinded to what pleases God. Now, I had a kick of reading this chapter and keep and rereading it, preparing for today, because I found it such a funny and intriguing chapter. And I've read this obviously before, but for some reason, I think now I kind of chuckled a little bit more and found it more enjoyable now that I'm a dad of three kids. And, and it's just funny as you see what's going on between God and Jonah in this text. And we're going to see this kind of standoff going on. And it, is just, it was a funny chapter for me to read. And I think parents here especially are going to see that and can laugh at it. And so, again, we're going through verses 1 through 11. Before that first point, a self-centered heart is blinded to what pleases God. I want us to stop at verse 1. Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious." Now what is Jonah so upset about? If he wasn't with us last week or you're not too familiar with the story of Jonah, I'm going to quickly, as quickly as I can, Kind of recap everything, catch you up, all right? So Jonah is called by God to go to the city called Nineveh. It's a great city, but it's a cruel city. It's an enemy city of, of Jonah. And so Jonah is not with that. And he doesn't want to go to Nineveh. He's obviously, actually going to go to the opposite side, as far from the will of God, that where God's calling him. He's going to get on a boat, and he does that. But what we all learn in Jonah's story, and we all learn in our own stories that no matter how far we attempt to run from God, he's always right there. Right? He's always right there. He's always in control of all things. And, and our hiding from God is sort of like my, my, my three year old son wants to play hide and seek and he wants to hide behind a curtain and his toes are sticking out. It's kind of cute, but it's laughable. <laughs> like, where are you going? Uh, oh, where are you? Oh, like, you know, recently, yesterday, we, we were at the fall festival giving out some glasses. And so he was kind of catching a fit in the car. And I say, hey, you put that glasses on, you're, 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 you're invisible. and He believed it. And so it's that, you know, it's just laughable, like you're, we, we can see you, we know where you're at. And it's that, where Jonah is running, and we run from God, but God is always there. And so God creates a storm, right, and, um, and he gets his attention through the storm, and eventually Jonah gets tossed from the boat, um, right, because he wants to, and he gets tossed into the boat, into the sea, and God appoints a great fish, swallows up Jonah. Jonah is now in the belly of the fish for three days, and he's battling this deep, dark place, right? We talked about that. What do we do when in the deep, dark place and God calls Jonah calls out to God and God gives Jonah a second chance he spit on land and we talked about that even when we're in a deep dark place that we don't realize it but there is movement taking place and so Jonah from the water ends up on land God was moving him all along and so Jonah gets up finally goes to the city of Nineveh where he should have been in the first place right but we know how it is to be stubborn children all right. Jonah's no different. We're no different. And so finally, Jonah ends up preaching God's message to the people of Nineveh. He warns them of the destruction that's going to take place because of their evil ways. And so then last week we saw that the entire city repents, but they followed the leadership of their king. And so we talked about leadership last week. And what does it mean to be a good leader? And chapter 10, chapter three, verse 10 ends this way. God saw their actions that they had turned from their evil ways. So God, what he did, you guys remember, God relented from the disaster that he had threatened them with, and he did not do it. And so that's where we stopped last week. And now we read verse one, Jonah ain't happy. Jonah's not happy, and you're like, um, prophet, man of God, God just did something good. Yeah, well, listen, he's a man, all Unless right? we say man of God, but he's a man. And so Jonah is not happy with what he sees. Why? Because Jonah's heart is not in line with the heart of God here. He's actually really upset that God showed mercy to people, that God relented from destroying a people whose hearts were turned from their evil ways. And Jonah is not with that. All right. We see it in verse one, say it together, that Jonah was what? He was greatly displeased. And then to let us know how angry he was, it goes on and became furious. He was greatly displeased. Psalm 135 verse 6 says this, that whatever the Lord pleases, he does. In other words, God was pleased and is pleased in all that he does. And so God was pleased in showing the Ninevites grace and sparing them from complete destruction. It pleased God to do that. The question is, shouldn't we always be pleased with what pleases God? But is that always the case when we're angry? The question we need to ask is, man, am I angry about something that actually pleases the Lord? When our hearts are self-centered, though, we are blinded to what pleases God. When our hearts are self-centered, we are blinded by our anger to what God took ple- takes pleasure in. And Jonah was no different. Instead of rejoicing, he is angry about what pleases God. And so the first point of a self-centered heart is that you are blinded to what pleases God. Number two, a self-centered heart fails to recognize that God's grace goes beyond ourselves. Jonah was really upset that God didn't do what he wanted to be done. His anger kept him blinded to see what pleased God. And then he prays. Some of you might giggle at that. He prays, right? After being so angry, he's praying. Right? But that's all good, right? We can, we can be angry. But, you know, the Lord in his grace and mercy even there leads Jonah to prayer. But here's his prayer. He prays this and he says, please, Lord, isn't this what I thought while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled towards Tarsus in the first place. See, I knew that you are a gracious and compassionate God, slow to anger, abounding in in faithful love, and one who relents from sin and disaster. And now, Lord, take my life from me, for it is better for me to die than to live. Then the Lord asked him, this is funny, is it right for you to be angry? See, Jonah says, I thought, I fled, I knew, A self-centered heart fails to recognize that God's grace goes beyond ourselves. Jonah is all about what he has done. So much so that in this moment, he is failing to see that, that God has given him an opportunity to learn and know more about God himself. And that's our problem a lot of time. We forfeit the opportunities that God has placed in our lives to learn, to grow in who he is. Because we're just so self-centered and wanting to know more about me or what pleases me, that we are failing to recognize an opportunity that God has put in front of us to learn about him and who he really is. You might read that prayer and you might say, well, but hold on, am I don't really agree with that because, you see, Jonah seems to know a lot about God. His theology seems to be good there, right? If you read that, his theology seems on point, and that's true. What Jonah says is good. Yes, God is good. God is gracious. He's a gracious and compassionate God. That's true. Check for Jonah. Got that one right. right? He says you're slow to anger, abounding in faithful love. Check. Yeah? Yeah, his head's shaking. Good. Check for Jonah. He seems to be having good theology. Seems to have good theology. But check it. What appears to be good theology in Jonah is actually poor theology if it's just head knowledge. Does Jonah's understanding of God lead him to have a joyful heart towards God? Did it? Did it lead to joy? It doesn't. Swear so church, I want us to hear this. I want us to hear this. Our theology is useless if it doesn't lead us to joyful praise and worship of the king. It's useless. Second, our theology does not, if our theology, if our theology does not cause us to go to a dying people in a dying world with the good news that we have, then our theology is useless. It's useless. Church, let's let's get that. All right. If what we do here on a Sunday does not stir in us a desire to go out to a dying world, a dying people with the good news that we have, then your theology is useless. It's useless. We need to understand that God's grace goes beyond ourselves, but a self-centered heart fails to recognize that. Right. Because a self-centered heart is all about what? Self. What? What can I get out of this? Or What have I done? What do I want? And it becomes so easy when you're self-centered to see the sins of other people and not your own sins. Especially when we say, well, they're not serving God, so it's very easy for me to see their sin. But we've forgotten that the very reason we're sitting here today is by the grace of God, because we needed his grace. That's why we're sitting here and standing here and reading about him and praising him today. That our grace does not stop, though, with us here. Our grace goes beyond ourselves. It goes beyond the church walls. It goes beyond Swerve Church. And so a self-centered heart is blinded to what pleases God. That's one. Two, a self-centered heart fails to recognize that God's grace goes beyond ourselves. And number three in your notes, a self-centered heart places self-satisfaction over the care of others. And this is when I really felt the story got a lot, got funny for me. So we're going to read again verses five and six. It says Jonah left the city and he found a place east of it. He made himself a shelter there and he sat in his shade to see what would happen to the city. And then the Lord God appointed a plant. It grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head, to rescue him from his trouble. And Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant. He was happy. This is when I, I, we begin to see like the standoff bef- be- between God and Jonah. And it's foolish to think that we can ever win such a standoff with God, right? But that's what Jonah's getting himself into again. But it's not just Jonah's story. Remember, it is my story, and it is your story. We, too, foolishly question God's ways. We, too, foolishly think that we know what's best, right? We, too, foolishly insist that, God, you do what I want you to do by my standards. And then we, too, foolishly, just like Jonah, get so upset like a little child and run upstairs and cross our arms and say, I'm not moving. I'm not leaving my room. Until I get my way. So just like Jonah, we're foolish to think we can win that standoff. And I laugh at this because I know that I've done this as a child, but I see it in my three kids, and I, my daughter's with us. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna call you out. I just did. It. But I see it in my kids, right? And you see it in your kids, if we're honest, right? When they don't get their way, they think that by throwing a fit, by getting angry, some of you, I'm not, some of you see it, my kids doing it here. So it's like I'm not hiding it, right? And so you see them and they think that just because they tossed themselves on the floor that I should bow down and give in. And please, maybe sometimes I have to correct them. Don't give in. Don't give in. But they do that because they feel like, man, if I just do that, you're going to give in. Like Jonah, we sit and we're going to go to our rooms again and cross our arms and we're going to sit here and we're not leaving our room, mom, dad, until you do what we want to be done. And so Jonah is just like that. We read in verse four that God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry? And Jonah never responded, or at least we didn't get a response in the text here. Probably because Jonah knew the answer, but again, stubborn child, he doesn't want to admit it. And instead of admitting it, he goes to the city, but he doesn't leave far. He kind of sets up camp. He probably pulls out his lawn chair, and he's sitting on the mountaintop watching the city because he's still expecting, oh, this city, they might have repented now, but tomorrow they're going to go back to their old ways, and I'm going to sit here, and I'm going to wait till God destroys them. I'm going to wait. I'm going to get my way, God. They're going to mess up. Watch. And so Jonah sits there and he's waiting to see what's going to happen. He's expecting that they're going to go back to their ways and that they're just going, they're going to be destroyed. And that's going to bring him pleasure because Jonah's heart, again, is not aligned with God's heart. And so he's waiting for that. And again, we see that though something here finally brings Jonah a smile. Something finally brings Jonah a smile. What brought him a smile? We see it in verse six. God appoints a plant, and this plant provides shade for Jonah, protects him from his trouble. And Jonah was greatly pleased. But check it, Jonah's sitting watching the city, and he's not pleased because what he's watching is a revival taking place in a city. That's not what's bringing him pleasure. What's bringing him pleasure is his self-satisfaction that now he has shade for his nice head, and he's protected And so a self-centered heart places self-satisfaction over the care of others. And for us, we need to be careful that that doesn't take place in our lives so much so that we care about ourselves that it's going to place harm on other people. And this is especially hard for us in our culture, right? Where it's all about self-first, look out for you. If you're home, if you're, you're all good, that's all that matters. And sadly, that thought process has destroyed families in our neighborhood. We have families that are split, husbands and wives who have left each other because I'm just not happy anymore. I don't feel in love anymore. Yes, I have my kids and I have my wife, but I don't feel this way right now. And families are destroyed because of that. This happens in our workplaces. Some of us, unfortunately, we experienced it. Where anything goes in order to climb the corporate ladder, Right, no matter what it takes, even if you spread some lies, some false rumors, right, even if you kind of ruin the reputation of someone, it's all good as long as I get what I need here. A self-centered heart places self-satisfaction over the care of others. How many of you guys are thankful, though, that this is not the heart of God? I want us to shift now gears a little bit with the rest of our time and focus on God's sacrificial love. And the first point in God's sacrificial love is this. His sacrificial love does not stop pursuing. Can I get a nice and loud hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. Praise God. His love does not stop pursuing. We see that again in verse 6, the same verse, that the Lord appointed a plant. It grew over Jonah to provide shade for his head, to rescue him from his trouble, and Jonah was greatly pleased. Jonah was disobedient. God caused a wind, a storm, onto the sea, right? Jonah insisted to be tossed into the sea, but God appoints a great fish to swallow him up. Jonah tosses a fit with God because God is showing mercy to his enemy, and so he's going to set up camp and get the standoff between him and God, but God provides shade for him. What do you see here? We see that despite Jonah's disobedience, God continues to pursue him. Despite Jonah running from God and all of Jonah's complaints, God's love continues to pursue. You see this? Though that we are great sinners, our God is greater. Though we are great sinners, his love is greater. Even when our disobedience has taken us so far from the will of God or what he wants for our lives, God's grace goes even further. Jonah still needs this good news and this grace of God even though he's a prophet. And I got to stop there because as believers, this is important for us. You see the good news of the gospel of God's grace being extended to you and I though we don't deserve it, right? That good news is a good news is good news for us from the moment we believe to for the rest of eternity. It's important. the gospel is important for us from now until eternity. We don't ever go beyond the good news of the gospel. We only go deeper into it. This is because of God's nonstop pursuit of us. And he pursues us to make us more like him. Why? For our enjoyment, for his glory. For our enjoyment and his glory. It's been my prayer this week, God. Father, help me to enjoy you today. So that you be glorified. I want us to pray that. God help me to enjoy You today, so that You may be glorified. Yes, Number two, God's sacrificial love is relentless. This means He would go great lengths to display His love, and I love the way I read the definition in the Oxford Dictionary. It defines relentless as this: unceasingly intense. So God's love is intense, and we see that in verses seven through nine. I'm not going to read it, but we see that God appoints a worm that attacks the plant, and it kind of it dies one day later, right? There goes that plant. All right. Now God then causes the sun to rise and he causes it scorching wind. And we don't know if Jonah was bald, but if he was, my goodness. All right. And so much is now beating on his head and Jonah says, "Man, I just want to die." Again, he says this, we heard it before from Jonah. And then God asks him the question again. Is it angry now for you to be? Is it, is it right for you to be angry about this plant? So we saw that Jonah's finally happy, happy while he's stubbornly protesting God. But God is still not going to allow Jonah's heart, though, to be far from him, because his love is relentless for Jonah. So much so that he's going to deal with Jonah any way he has to to get his attention, even if that means taking away the things that he's enjoying. And that's the theology. That's a part of God we, we want to avoid, right? That God gives, but he also takes away. Jonah, are you happy with that plant? Yeah, God, I'm pleased. Finally smiling. OK, you had it for a day. Now let me have it back. And it's funny that a worm comes in and destroys that. God appoints now a worm, and it destroys the plant. And He goes, "Okay, you no longer have shade. Now here comes it because I love you, and you got to get it right. You're still, you're still, your heart's still far from me. Here comes this wind, and I'm gonna toast your nice head. And God toasts his head. Right? You think Jonah now gets it, right? And Jonah though is back to complaining, back to complaining. God kill me. But you see that God is still after Jonah. He is relentless in his love for Jonah, so much so that, again, he's going to do whatever it takes to bring Jonah to his sentences. And that's the way God sometimes deals with us, brothers and sisters. I mean, this is not the case all the time. I'm not saying that you're going through something because of whatever is happening in your life, because of a sin or because God has appointed it. But God will send obstacles our way. God will appoint trials, and he will allow that. Everything is under the sovereignty of God. We looked at that, I believe, in week one. Our God is sovereign in control of all things. And when our hearts are not aligning with his, he and his through his sacrificial, relentless love, he's going to do what it takes to get us. But we can trust that it's because of his love. The last point for today, I think I'm doing all right with time, is that his sacrificial love for us extends far beyond our reach. That's our last point. God's sacrificial love extends far beyond our reach. Let's read how this all ends. Verses 9 through 11. I'm going to read it. Then God asked Jonah, is it right for you to be angry about the plant? Yes, it is, he replied. I'm angry enough to die. I thought of like the parent, right, who continues to go. Like, the kid doesn't want to talk anymore about it, but you're just going to. I'm going to keep talking to you. Let's <laughs> keep going. You don't want to answer. Keep going. Jonah says, yes, I'm mad. Yes. All right. Verse 10, so the Lord said, you cared about the plant which you did not labor over and did not grow. It appeared in the night and perished in the night. But may I not care about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people, who cannot distinguish between their right and their left, as, many, as well as many animals. Like, the animals who? I love it. God is just like, he, he knows Jonah's being stubborn. He's just kind of get at him. I'm like, the people, also the animals. Don't forget the animals, Jonah. And so Jonah is is probably tired again of hearing that question, but God is continuing at him. Jonah answers by wishing to die, and God gives Jonah this amazing news. It's amazing for you and I. God doesn't only see a particular people group. His love isn't for a certain race, a certain culture, a certain status, but his love is so much greater. His love, in fact, extends far beyond these doors again, far beyond our reach. For God so loved the World that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. Brothers, sisters, friends, listen, hear this. I want us to be a people that will freely extend the same grace that God has given us. God's challenge here to Jonah and the challenge for us is this. Can we get as excited? Perhaps can we get even more excited for others to receive the same grace which we've received? Again, can we get as excited or even more excited for others to receive the same grace which we've received? It's not an easy question if we're honest about it and we think about it. And so that's a question for the Life Group's discussion. And that's on there for us to discuss this week. Can you get excited, do you get excited when others are blessed with the same blessings and the grace that you've been received? We need to ask ourselves that question. And as Jonah learned, the grace of God was something he could simply live with, cannot live without. We, too, cannot live without the grace of God. Ultimately, it's the grace of God that is demonstrated through God's ultimate act of love, where, while he leaves his throne in heaven, and ultimately lays down his life for you and for I. He lays his life down for the sins of the people before us, for my sins, and for those after us. Jesus, though, is the greater Jonah. You guys have probably heard Danny say that before, I believe. Unlike Jonah, Jesus ran towards his enemy, knowing that his love for us would lead him to his death. Jesus runs towards his enemy, not like Jonah, but in full submission to his father's will, despite the cost. And Jesus does it with joy. He endures the pain of the cross so that you and I, who are enemies of God, can guess what, become friends of God. And Jesus willingly lays down his life for this mission. And he's killed on that cross. And we know that he is buried on, and he's he's buried and he's in the tomb. But three days later, we celebrate the resurrection of our king. And so Jesus now in his life gives us new life. And unlike Jonah, our God rejoices over every sinner that has come home. Amen. Amen. God rejoices when the city of Nineveh repents and turns from their evil ways. God rejoices when you, brother, sister, repent and turn from your evil ways. He rejoices. Jesus willingly lays down his own life for our sins. And as we turn from our wicked ways and repent and place our trust in Jesus as our Lord and Savior,